Genesis chapter number 37, and we're going to be picking back up as our, we look at Joseph tonight. Uh, we'll be on Joseph here for a few w- more weeks as we followed Abraham on his road to readiness. That's the series we've been preaching on since earlier in the year as we all seek to become ready, ready to be used of the Lord, ready for the coming of the Lord. And what we're doing in this series is we're following men and women of God that were used of God, and we want to see how God got them ready, uh, how God made them equipped to be used of Him in the way that He used them. I believe that's one of the many reasons God preserved in such detail a lot of the stories in the Word of God. Uh, I love it when we're reading about characters and we see their humanity, aren't you? Don't you? Uh, I love the fact that you can see when people struggle. Uh, I don't love the fact that they struggle, but I love the fact when you see them struggle, uh, because I struggle sometimes. Uh, I love the fact when you see people contemplating on their obedience to the will of God rather than not necessarily jumping right on board. Sometimes there is hesitancy, and I'm thankful to see that because sometimes I'm hesitant. Uh, What we're doing in this series, though, is following uh, some of our our patriarchs, if you will, of the faith. We looked at Noah, we've looked at Abraham, and now we're looking at Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 is where we left Joseph last week, Uh, and if you recall, we left him in a pit. Right? We left him in a pit. Brother Aaron told me after the service, he said, you could have entitled the message, Joseph's Pit Stop. Uh, I said, well, why did you wait till the after the service to tell me that? Uh, that would have been a perfect title to that. And if I ever preach it again, we'll entitle that Joseph's Pit Stop. Uh, and it's amazing because in contrast to Abraham, it's amazing looking at how Joseph's path is so much different than Abraham's. Uh, Abraham's has those admirable moments that we would look forward to, and yet Joseph started off down in the ground in a hole. Uh, I like Joseph's story because it's one that I think we can all relate to even a little bit better. So let's jump in, Genesis 37. Remain seated tonight if you don't mind. I'm going to jump right into this. Uh, Look down, if you will, to verse number 26. Here's Joseph right before he goes into the pit, and then we're going to pick up after Joseph comes out of the pit. The Bible says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let our hand be upon, let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren, we're, and his brethren we're, we're content. The Bible says in verse 28, Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, there's a little more backstory going to be given there. Skip over to chapter 39. We're going to pick up where verse, uh, the last verse just left off. Chapter 39, look at verse 1. The Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Let's stop there tonight and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word again. I pray that you'd speak to us through it. Father, I have no doubt, Lord, you can relate this to all of us in a way tonight. There's no way that I can. And I pray your Holy Spirit would do just that. Lord, whatever your will uh, that you would desire in the service tonight through the message you've sent, help us, Father, be obedient to just receive it and respond to it. And I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump right in here tonight, if we could, and think about where Joseph was when we left him. 
Uh, Joseph had just come up out of the pit. Now, remember the story. Here's Joseph walking along. Everything is fine. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, he finds himself in a pit. I believe that's something we can all relate to. We looked at last week, the pit was a hidden place, okay? The pit was the place that we learned to look up. I don't know about you. I can be hard-headed. Uh, for those of you that have worked closely with me, you have found that at times, yes, indeed, I can be hard-headed. For those of you who haven't, just take my word for it, okay? Or you can ask my wife. She'll probably tell you the same thing. Sometimes it takes the Lord leading me to those hidden places along the will of God for my life for me to learn to look up. Uh, sometimes I don't look up when things are going well. Sometimes when I'm blessed and everything is as it should be in my life and I have comfort and contentment, I'm not looking up like I need to be looking up. By the way, if you're not looking up, you're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. Think about it. If I, look, by the way, it, when you're driving on the highway, I want you to drive by sight. Amen. All right, don't drive by faith. He didn't say that. He says you walk by faith, not by sight, all right? But can you imagine how much trouble you'd get in driving, uh, looking up? No, you're going to drive looking at the road. But spiritually, we look up and trust God for the direction that we're supposed to be going. Well, lo and behold, the Lord leads him to this pit. Inside of this pit, this lonely place that he was at, he learned to look up. Remember this tonight. The pit is where we learn to look up until we are lifted up, okay? He looked up, he looked to God, he trusted God, and God finally lifted him up out of the pit. Now, the next stretch of road that he is going to be traveling uh, is not much better. I would love to say, and Joseph lived happily ever after. Uh, I think in our Americanized culture of liberty, freedom, and blessing, that sometimes we apply the fairy tale life to our spiritual life. We think that it, we're always going to live happily ever after. Now, I can tell you that's the case if you're talking about heaven. We're going to live happily ever after one day. But don't bite off on the Joel Osteen stuff thinking we're always going to live happily ever after here and there's going to be no pits along the way. There are going to be pit stops, Brother Aaron. Amen. There are. And we've got to learn how to handle those. So here's Joseph moving along. And what's amazing is the next few stops we're going to combine real quickly tonight. And we're going to look at this as the path to Potiphar's, okay? Now, what was this path that was going to lead him to Potiphar's? It's a very interesting path. The Bible says, watch, he came up out of the pit, his brothers sell him. And then the people his brothers sold him to, they sell him to the Egyptian at Potiphar's. Now, remember, I don't believe that any of this is by mistake. You ever ask your young person or maybe ask yourself, maybe ask your spouse, why did you do that? You ever ask your kid that? You know, have your kid ever just done something maybe out of character, but definitely something that you did not admire? And you look at them and you say, why did you do that? And then they answer back and they say, I don't know. They did something non-intelligent and they're not even sure why they did it. They just had this wild hair to do something not intelligent, you know, and they did it. And you ask them, why did you do that? And they say, I, I don't know. There are times in my life I do things that I, I don't know why I did them. But God is never that way. Everything we're reading about God working in the life of Joseph, he has a reason behind it. And tonight we're going to look at this path to Potiphar's house. He came up out of the hole, he was sold once, he was sold twice, and now he finds himself in Egypt. And I believe tonight, look, if you've ever been on the path of the will of God for your life and it be confusing, 
or maybe full of calamity, and you're wondering, this does not make sense. Can you imagine how Joseph felt? Walking along, minding his own business one day. Next thing you know, he's in the bottom of a hole. Next thing you know, he's been sold. Next thing you know, he's been sold again. And now he is in servitude in the house of an Egyptian. This path to Potiphar's house is not one we want to go on either, but I think sometimes we need to. And the good news is tonight, I'm going to show it to you in just two points. Amen? Just two points. So let's jump into this if we could. Uh, Go back to chapter 39. Uh, And I want you to look down to verse number 1, okay? I think tonight we could probably say that somewhere along the line between chapter 37 and chapter 39, I kind of feel like that Joseph had to be becoming numb and shocked to all that was happening. Remember, all of this was surprise. He did not know all of this was going to happen. And I think it would be easy for Joseph to feel unwanted. Could we agree with that? We know his brothers didn't want him. Why? Because they're the ones who threw him in the hole. And then, watch, he is sold to this one group of people, and before he can even get attached to them, they sell him to someone else. I think it's easy to say that Joseph is probably feeling a little bit sold out, to be honest with you. No pun intended. I want you to look at verse 2. I want to show you something. Watch the first few words of verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Here's what's amazing. Everybody kept selling Joseph out. True story. His brothers did. The Ishmaelites did. And now he's been sold out to the Egyptian. I'll be honest with you. If I'm Joseph, as I'm riding in the caravan, I don't know what kind of a caravan. I don't know if he was chained. I don't know if he was in some type of a wagon in a cage as a slave on his way to Egypt. I don't know. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe tonight Joseph was probably feeling sold out. And feeling lonely. Nobody wanted him. And yet the Bible gives us something very important in verse number 2. That Joseph was learning without a shadow of a doubt on the path to Potiphar's house. What was it in verse 2? The Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Number 1 tonight, the path to Potiphar's is a place of God's presence. It's a place of God's presence. Now don't miss this, okay? Here's Joseph, and he keeps getting sold out. His brothers sell him out. The Ishmaelites sell him out, and now he's sold into Potiphar's house there in Egypt. There's no doubt Joseph had to feel alone. Have you ever been sold out? All right, hopefully not literally. But have you ever been sold out? Have you ever been left alone? Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had people turn their back on you and not want to associate with you? Look, I know some of you. You ought to be shaking your head. All right? We've all been there before. And we start having a tendency to feel lonely as if God has forsaken us. But God allowed Joseph to go down this path where everyone else had forsaken him to show him that God was still with him. Can I tell you tonight, I don't think Joseph was enjoying what he was going through. But oh, he was going to discover something wonderful. What was it? God was still with him. God was still with him. Hey, Joseph, your brothers may have sold you out, and the Ishmaelites may have sold you out, and you're sitting in a home of someone you don't know and doesn't really care for you yet, but yet, Joseph, I want you to know something. I'm still with you. Oh, I'll tell you, the path to Potiphar's is not a road I want to get on very often. 
I don't want to get on this road to where it gets lonely in the ministry. I don't want to get on this road to where it gets lonely as a Christian. But I'll tell you, it's those seasons where you feel lonely that you really figure out the value of having a God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I don't want to go down this road, just like I don't want to go in last week's pit. But the path to Potiphar's can be profitable to us. Well, that's a tongue twister. If I'd added one more P in that, I'd have been in trouble. The path to Potiphar's is profitable. Why? Because it's there you learn the presence of God. When everybody else had left him and forsook him and he sat there lonely, he realized God was with him. God was with him. Now, folks, this is important. We've got to understand this tonight. Why? Because there will always be a temptation to abandon God when people abandon you. I'm going to say that one again. There is always going to be a temptation to abandon God when people abandon you. I promise you that. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's, God forbid, a spouse. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's friends in church. I don't know. And suddenly you find yourself alone, feeling forsaken. I promise you, the hypothetical little red devil's coming to your shoulder. And you know what the temptation's going to be? People abandoned you, why don't you abandon God? You say, well, I don't know if I believe you in that. I don't know that I believe me either, so let me show you from Scripture, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, sitting in the Mamertine prison, watch, sentenced to death. He's about to be executed. I'm going to be straight up with you. If I'm about to be executed, I'm already feeling sad and alone. And yet Paul says this, watch close in verse 9, speaking to Timothy. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I don't want to interject something that's not there, but I believe it's near about impossible not to see Paul was lonely. He was lonely. What did he go on to say? 2 Timothy 4, only Luke is with me. Now I'm going to be, be honest, if I'm, I'm sentenced to death, I'm crying the blues, I'm having a pity party, I'm sad. And then on top of that, one of your workers, he deserts you. What does he say here? Demas forsook me. The guy I've been working with has forsaken me. And now he didn't just forsake me to go and, and do things for God. He's forsaken me because he loved this world. I'll be honest with you. I believe Paul was being tempted in the Mamertine prison. I believe Paul was on the lonely road to Potiphar's. And I believe, look, oh, at that moment he was feeling something you and I will probably never feel. Why? Because we're not going to face what Paul faced most likely in our lifetime. And yet it was in those places that we find the presence of God more than we ever did when things were going well. When we're feeling lonely and we're feeling forsaken. My wife and I were talking on the way here tonight. She's in the nursery. And uh, I told her, I says, honey, I know you're working in nursery tonight. So I cut it down to two points where I wouldn't go over. No, I didn't tell her that. I did encourage her, but it didn't do much encouraging because she knows that I can take a two-pointer and stretch it out the whole time and some. I asked my wife something this afternoon. I says, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is there with his closest disciples. And what did he tell them? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. The Bible says he went a little bit further. He fell on his face, and he's crying out to God because the burden he's already bearing. 
And then he comes along, and guess what? They're asleep. They're asleep. I read this and read this and read this and read this this afternoon. Don't want to interject something that's not here, but I believe this with all my heart tonight. Verse 38, Matthew 26, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Did you catch those two words? Watch with me. With me. I believe our Father is showing us the humanity of our Savior. Watch with me. Listen close. Keep reading. The Bible says, verse 39, he fell on his face, cried out to God. Verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me? One hour. Now, can I ask you, what was he wanting them to watch for? Was he wanting them to keep a watch out for the guard where they could fight them off? No, because when Peter drew his sword, he told him to put it away. He wasn't asking them to watch as bodyguards, hey, protect me, guys, while I'm praying. That's not what he was saying. I believe he was wanting them to watch with him. I believe he was wanting them to be there as a support to him. And when he comes along and sees them sleeping, he says, what? Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Here's our Savior showing us. I believe tonight he had to endure that loneliness. Why? The Bible says in Hebrews he had to be in all points likewise tempted as you and I are. Can I tell you tonight, loneliness leads to a temptation to abandon God. When you feel like you're all alone, by the way, why, what did Jesus cry out on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father turned his back on his son. I promise you, that's not a loneliness we will ever feel. And by the way, we will never feel that loneliness because Jesus felt it for us, which means we will never walk this road alone. He will never leave us or forsake us. Why? Because Jesus already felt that for us. You see, tonight, there are times we're going to go down the road, the path to Potiphar's. And we're going to feel forsaken by this and forsaken by that, forsaken by them. But I want you to understand, it's during those times and those seasons of loneliness that, oh, you're not forsaken. You may be in a Mamertine prison facing death. You know what Paul said? Paul would go on to say, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. I want you to hear something. Have you ever felt like that was your testimony? Listen, Paul says we are troubled. Paul says we are perplexed. He says we are persecuted and we are cast down. You ever felt like that? I have. All right, but wait a minute. He says I'm not distressed, not in despair, not destroyed. If you look right smack dab in the middle of 2 Corinthians 4, 8, do you know what you find in the middle of that? Two, three words. But not forsaken. Paul says, listen to me, I am persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. As a child of God, understand this. Yes, we can be persecuted. Yes, we can go through the valleys that we don't want to walk through. But understand this, we're never forsaken. Why? Because Almighty God promised He would never leave us nor forsake us. And yes, we're on the road to Potiphar's. And yes, you feel forsaken. And yes, you feel lonely. But thanks be to God, I'm not forsaken. 
And it's on that path to Potiphar's. What are we learning? It's a place of God's presence. The other day, we left our driveway on the way to school. And as we went down the road, we began noticing these little black flower pots. Uh, I used to be, uh, work with my dad, my mom. Uh, her dad was a, a landscaper. And so I knew the pots very well. When you buy those pots from Lowe's, those plants from Lowe's, you have those little black pots, they come in. And uh, they were like going down the road. And so evidently somebody had them on their trailer. And so, I mean, we could have been a detective and just followed them and figured out because they left the bread trail all the way down Elks Lake, all the way up Highway 49 until we turned off. And I told my daughter, I said, whoever that is, is going to get where they're going and realize they lost some things along the way. You know, maybe they did it on purpose. I don't know. You know, maybe it was easier than going to the dump. Just kind of let them blow off there a little bit. Can I tell you, on the road of life, you're going to lose some things. On the road to readiness, you're going to lose some things. On the path to Potiphar's, you're going to lose some things. But can I tell you, one thing you will never lose is God. He has been there with you every step of the way. And yes, we have our pity parties. I do. And yes, we feel forsaken. Yes, we feel lonely. But hey, Joseph's testimony to us is, hey, you're going to go down in the pit. You're going to be brought out. You're going to be forsaken, forsaken, forsaken. But then verse 2 says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't it wonderful? God made the trip with him. God made the trip with him. There are times... Well, you're going to feel like your life is confusion, things are out of control, and you feel forsaken. I promise you, God is with you every step of the way. He hasn't forsaken us. That's what the Bible tells us. I was coming up 49, uh, I think I was coming back from Wiggins the other day, and I saw a muck boot, boot on the side of the road. You know what a muck boot is? Name brand? That's, that's good stuff right there. You know, you're a high-dollar hunter if you're wearing those muck boots, not those Walmart boots. You're wearing the muck boots. You got the high-dollar ones. And on the side of the road, I saw one muck boot. I thought somebody's going to be really disappointed when they get where they're going. You know, because unless you're really good at hopping on one leg, one boot doesn't do you a whole lot of good. And that guy's going to get to his hunting stand. He, oh, look, you're so excited. You put your backpack on. You get your gun out. You're getting ready to go hunting. And you get in the back of your truck. And all you're wearing is your Crocs because you had your boots in the back of the truck. And you get back there and there's only one muck boot. And you're thinking, well, I'm already here now. You're going to wear one crock and one muck boot. Why? Because you want to hunt that bad. He's going to be disappointed when he gets where he's going. So I did. I just left it sitting right there on the side of the road. Where if he come by, he would see it because I'd be disappointed too. You're never going to be disappointed when you get where you're going. Can I tell you why? People may forsake you. Things may forsake you. But God's not going to forsake you. And sometimes we may need to go down the path to Potiphar's and lose everything for us to realize that God is never going to leave us. I imagine there were people who probably thought to themselves, I don't see how you did this, Joseph. They sold you out, Joseph. They turned their back on you, Joseph. They left you alone, Joseph. But Joseph's like, God didn't. God didn't. Folks, can I tell you, God's not going to do what you think he's going to do. God's going to stick with you all the way. Look, if I could have scared him off, I'd have scared him off years ago. I mean, if I could have done something disappointing enough that God's going to give up on me, he'd give up on me long ago. But he promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. And when I go down the path to Potiphar's, I don't have to worry or fear because God's with me. And he promised never to leave me nor forsake me. Be careful tonight. Can I just encourage you? Be careful how much of what you do is based on what other people do. Hear me out. If Joseph had based his faithfulness to God 
on the faithfulness of man, Joseph would have quit on God. Why? Because nobody was faithful to Joseph. But Joseph's faithfulness wasn't based on man. Joseph's faithfulness was based on God. It's like the story of the frog and the fortune teller. This frog was really lonely, really looking for somebody to spend the rest of his life with. Not a true story, okay? Some of you are like, oh, no. So the frog goes to a fortune teller and says, look, I'm really lonely. I'd like to find someone I can spend the rest of my life with. The fortune teller looks at the frog and says, tomorrow you're going to meet that kind of someone. They're going to take you in their arms. They're going to hold you. And they want to know everything about you. The frog looks up. He says, I can't believe it. The frog walked out of the fortune teller, skipping, exciting. I can't believe it. I finally found the person I've been looking for. But they got to think, how am I going to know it's her? So he goes back to the fortune teller. He says, hey, when am I going to meet this woman? And the, the uh, fortune teller says, tomorrow, 9 a.m. in biology one. You fill in the blanks there. Suddenly, the frog was disappointed. He had got his hopes up that this person was going to be all that he ever needed, the answer to what he was looking for, and then all of a sudden he realized, oh, no, 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 uh, that person is going to cut your guts out. Be careful, sometimes life is that way. Patch the Pirate, what was his song? My hope is in Jesus. That's who we ought to be trusting in. That's who we ought to be. Can I tell you, and I, I know this for a fact, for some of you, maybe not others yet, but hang on. Hang on, I won't disappoint you. I will hurt you. I will disappoint you. I will let you down. Your faith better not be in me. It better be in God. Because you're going to get going down the path to Potiphar's. And oh, how many people do they use the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or even a church member as an excuse of why we don't do what we're supposed to do? We should have never been the reason in the first place. I'm going to do my best not to disappoint you. I'm going to do my best not to let you down. But I'm human. I will. Uh, I, look, I'll be like Joseph's brothers. I mean, hey, I'm going to let you down. There are going to be times that you feel sold out by mankind. Don't put your faith in mankind. Hey, put it in God. He won't let you down. He'll never give you a reason not to follow him tonight. Number one, the path to Potiphar's. Notice it's a place of God's presence. The second thing I want to notice is right there in verse number two. Before I give you that, I, I want you to think about something. It's easy for us when we get to these places to cry the blues and think about, all right, God, well, I needed this in order for me to continue on in your will. No, the truth is all we need is God. Now, let me show you why. Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Stop. So you said, okay, that's a verse on contentment. Yeah, we ought to be content. Watch this with God alone. Be content with God alone. Why? The rest of the verse says this, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Do you know what he's saying? All that we should need is God. Be content without covetousness. Oftentimes, how often do we dream, if I just had this, if this was just that, then my life would be well. No, you've got everything you need to live a wonderful life if you've got God. That's all that you need. He says, don't covet something else. Don't covet, say, boy, if I just had this bigger and that better. The Bible says, if you've got God, you've got everything you need to be content. Because he promised he'd never leave you nor forsake you. I think that's what Joseph believed. Do you know why? Because I've been reading through Genesis and I never find where Joseph complained. 
man, if I just had some better brothers. Now, you may have said that before, too. If I just had some better brothers, man, maybe things would have turned out different. If I just had some better friends, maybe things would have been a little bit better in my life. Maybe if I got sold to a better master who didn't have a wicked wife, everything. And we sit around wasting our life coveting what we don't have rather than relying on what we do have. We've got God, and God is enough. The second thing I want you to notice tonight is this path to Potiphar's was not only a place where he learned about God's presence, but watch what the Bible says in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Now, that's an amazing set of words right there. Let me tell you why. When we first met Joseph, really getting to know him on this road, everything was taken from him. I want you to think about it. His most prized possession, that coat of many colors. But there, and I hope that's one of those things we get to heaven, I get to see what it looked like. I kind of picture it as uh, like some of these things that are crocheted and knitted by our ladies around here. I don't know what it looked like, but I'm sure it was beautiful. His brothers stripped him of that, remember? They took that away from him. And then suddenly, he thinks he's going to lose his life. He doesn't lose his life, but he does lose his freedom. And then he loses his family. He said, well, they weren't any good, but he lost his dad. His dad loved him. His dad cared for him. So slowly, Joseph is losing everything. But watch. Not only did he find God's presence on the path to Potiphar's, number two, he found this was a place of God's providence. It was a place of God's providence. Now, hear this tonight. What do you think God's trying to show Joseph? Why did he let him go through this? Well, we know the end of the story, correct? What's the end of the story? Joseph's going to have to trust God to provide for an entire nation. Joseph's going to trust God to do that. I think he's given him an early taste that he can trust him to provide. And so God is letting Joseph go down this path of Potiphar's because Joseph's going to trust God to provide all that they need during that time of famine. Now watch this. I think God wants Joseph to learn something we need to learn tonight and that God can provide in spite of our circumstances. Joseph lost everything he had. It was taken from him. I mean, Joseph's a pauper. He is a slave. And yet God says, Joseph, it doesn't matter if you're in Egypt or back home with your dad. I can still bless you. I can still provide for you. Look, don't bite off on the devil's lie tonight that everything has to be right in order for you to be happy. You can be happy back with the brothers. You can be happy in Egypt. Why? Because you have a God that guarantees his presence and his providence. Circumstances can't change that. Sometimes we think that because, boy, I tell you, we cry the blues thinking, well, because the world's headed downhill, well, our world's going to head, head downhill as well. No, that's not the case because God promised. He says, I look after the sparrows. My daughter asked me the other day, she says, what do you, Dad, what do you think that's getting at? I says, well, it's just showing us that if God will look after such intensive detail, the life of those animals, how much more will he supply and provide for us? He promised. Not long after we moved here, we decided we were going, we found this place called Insomnia Cookies. It's up there on uh, Hardy, uh, next to Domino's, around Domino's in that area. And they delivered cookies to your house. And I think that's just amazing. Uh, what a world that we live in where they deliver cookies, hot cookies, to your door. And so I got online and, man, I began ordering my cookies. And they're wonderful. Oh, they're wonderful. They even sell you this little cup of icing that you can just glob it out and dip your cookies in it. It's great. It's horrible for you, but it's great. Well, they taste good. I mean, they taste good. 
And so we got online, and we're picking what we want, and I wanted the cookie butter, and Leslie wanted the, uh, the other kind of icing, and so we're getting all that order. We got all the way to check out, and we had to put in our, our address. We put in our address, you know, over there off of Elk Slate Road, and then popped up red letters. Anytime red letters pop up, it means something bad. We're sorry. You're outside of our delivery area. I want you to know, there's not a lot of greater disappointments than to be ordering fresh hot cookies delivered to your door and then realize they won't deliver them to your door. They said, sir, we'll deliver to William Carey. I'm like, if I'm driving all the way to William Carey, I'm just going to come in there and get them myself, you know. And I thought, how sad. They won't deliver this. Domino's won't deliver to our house. Thank the Lord for Uber. Uber Eats will deliver to our house. Can I tell you, God can provide in any area. He doesn't have an area, well, I'm sorry, you're going through this tough time in your life. I'm sorry, you're outside of my delivery area, Joseph. Uh, Joseph, if you'd have just stayed there around that pit with your brothers, I could have helped you. But Joseph, I can't reach all the way into Egypt. What does the Bible say? His hand is not short that it cannot save. That God's presence is with us and God's providence will be, will be with us. But we've got to trust him for that. We don't need to worry about something God's not worried about. Amen? Number two, God's place that he had him here in Egypt was a place of his providence. Psalms 37, David's writing this in his old age. Listen to what David says. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Did you hear what that one verse had in it? I've not seen his seed forsaken. There's the presence of God. Nor the righteous begging bread. There's the providence of God. Here's what David is saying. I've been young and now I'm old. And through the span of my life, I've never seen God abandon his children and not provide for his children. The Bible says we don't provide for our families. We're worse than an infidel. Worse than an infidel. Uh, look, it doesn't matter where I've been, what I've had to do. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, I've done some things before as far as work I didn't want to do. Hauling paper wood, you ought to try that. My dad says it builds character. If character and calluses are the same thing, then I agree with him. And that was work. Remember doing that? 30 something dollars a load? Why? You got to provide for your family. Why on earth do we think that God's worse than an infidel? That God's not going to provide for his children. Number two tonight. God leads us down the path of Potiphar's. Why? He wants us to realize it's a place of providence. You look at the heart of Psalms 23, the very beginning of it. The Lord is my shepherd. Stop. What is that? That's the presence of God. I shall not want the providence of God. You see, as his children, as his sheep, we are promised and given the assurance we have the presence and the providence of God. And yes, we don't want to go down the path of Potiphar's. Yes, we don't want to get to the place where we're forsaken. Listen, I don't want to get there either, but I can be assured I've got God's presence and I've got God's providence because that's who my father is. The word providence is made up of two words. I love this. Me and Leslie were talking about parsing words earlier. The word providence is made up of two words, the word pro and the word video. The word pro means before, video means to be seen or to be viewed. So the word providence means that something is seen before. You're like, well, 
if I saw it before, maybe I'd have more faith. Well, then it wouldn't be faith, would it? You see, it's God's providence because God sees it before. I don't know what the road ahead holds for me or for you. I don't know. But I know God sees before. God's eyes are already in the place that we're going to worry about tomorrow. And God already knows how he's going to provide. He sees it before. That's why we can trust him for that tonight. What did Abraham tell Isaac up on Mount Moriah? God will provide. What was he telling Isaac? God already sees what he's going to do. Now, could you just think about that tonight? I don't see how you can't smile. The things you're going to worry about tomorrow, God already sees what he's going to do. He already sees it. Isaac says, Dad, here's the fire. Here's the wood. All right. Here's Isaac. He's doing a check down. All right. Let's do an audit real quick. We got the fire. Got the wood. Hmm. Seems like something's missing. Dad, I don't know if you realize this, Dad, but you forgot the lamb. And all of a sudden, Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham's trusting in a God that can see before and has the answer before we ever have the worry. But we've got to trust God for that. Where do we learn these lessons? On the path to Potiphar's. I want you to turn with me one place right quick before we close tonight. And I want you to go to chapter 50 of Genesis. Chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And I want you to look down to the end of Joseph's story. We'll get there eventually, but I want you to see something tonight that I think is very important. Genesis chapter 50. Joseph speaking to his brothers in verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, now watch this next line, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Back in chapter 37, in chapter 39, God could already see to chapter 50. Watch what Joseph says. As it is this day. This day. Can I tell you something tonight? Oftentimes all we see is today. The troubles of today, the worries of today, the heartaches of today, the question marks of today. But God sees before. And he already sees this day. Can I tell you what you need tonight that will encourage you a little bit? You need a this day. You need it this day, knowing it's a day that God is going to pull it all together for his glory. And right now, all you can see is today, but I promise you there's a this day. Joseph says, you meant it for evil back then, but God had a this day, and God knew what he was going to do on this day, way back when we were worrying about it yesterday. Oh, I, I, I have to show you a picture I've showed you before. It's one of my favorite pictures. I go to it often. Guys, you have that picture I sent to you earlier? Uh, this was taken back in 2015. This is my garbage truck pic- picture. I've shown it to several of you guys, maybe here in church. That's me and Trey, Brother Zach, on the garbage truck. That was a Wednesday night after church. I've told you the story. We didn't finish our route before church, so went and preached, put work clothes back on, got back on the church, on the, on the truck, and we ran our, our route in Balcomville, Louisiana, rough area of Louisiana if you've ever been to Balcomville. I told Trey, 
it was winter, it was cold, I think February the 18th, 2015, when that picture was taken. We took that selfie and I told Trey, I said, one day, we're going to look back at this picture and see how far God's brought us at Bayou Baptist Church. Oh, what a blessing it was to finally reach our this day. We're on that day, it was hard to see. On that day, oh, it's cold, you're dumping garbage cans, people are mad because you're running late. I'm like, I only had to go preach a few hours ago, okay? Cut me some slack. On that day, boy, it was hard to see this day. But boy, several years later, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, 60, 70, our church began to grow. We had our big day, full crowds. I looked at Trey. I said, this was the day that we talked about on that garbage truck that night. I'm thankful when God shows you this day. But until you get to this day, you're going to have to trust God all the way in between. Because he promises his presence and he promises his providence. I want to encourage you tonight before we close, you need a this day. I don't know where you're at. You might still be in the pit last week or maybe you're on the path to Potiphar's and you feel like you're all forsaken and you feel like everything's been taken from you and you're feeling like, God, what, what are you doing? You need to go ahead and get fixed in your mind a this day. You need a chapter 50 that by faith you're looking forward to. By the way, I believe that's what kept Moses going. What did Moses say? He had respect unto the recompense of reward. He was looking forward to a this day. Hey, what happened in the life of Paul? Paul said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He was looking forward to a this day. Look, today's may be bad. But there is a this day when our faith becomes sight and we see what God was doing on the path. What can we learn, though, while we're here? Number one, Joseph learned that God was still with him. God was still with him. Don't let your circumstances talk you out of your faith that God is with you. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe God allowed you to go down the path to Potiphar's when everything was taken away and everyone had forsaken you. And you're sitting in that lonely place for you to realize God was all you needed. God was all you needed. But maybe number two... God had you go down the path to Potiphar's to where you realize it was a place of God's providence. Where God will provide regardless of your circumstances. But you don't understand. I've been kidnapped and carried off hostage into Egypt and now I'm forced into servitude. Can I tell you, God can reach into Egypt and still bless you like he blessed Joseph. God can still provide. Here's the question. Will we live by faith or are we going to live by sight? Are we going to trust what we see and how we feel? I want to tell you, 2023, we live in a world where people trust their feelings more than I believe they trust God. We do. I can be tempted to do the same thing myself. Don't let your feelings or your circumstances talk you out of trusting in God's presence and God's providence on the path to Potiphar's. Tonight our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to stop there. And look, I don't know tonight... If you're anywhere